Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You may end up being invited to your high school reunion, and you're probably going to go because, well, you want to see what happened to all those people. Where's that jock that made your life miserable? The girl or the guy who snubbed you for that date and broke your heart? The shy, nerdy guy who was really smart, who did well, who got what was coming to them. But, uh, oh, wait, people at the reunion are going to be thinking the same about you. How's your hair? How's your waistline? How's your complexion? Damn it, what am I going to wear? What am I going to say to these people? And so the anxiety sets in. But, you know, you'll still end up going because you've got the where are they now gene. It's only natural to be curious about the whereabouts of people we were close to, or at least in close proximity to, during an important time in our lives. Connecting people this way was one of the first projects for the internet. Classmates.com went online way back in 1995 and its sole purpose was to find anyone you might have gone to school with from kindergarten to university. This was also the purpose of a site called Friendster back in 2002. Then came MySpace in 2003. Anybody remember High Five? Yeah, that showed up in 2004. And then finally, Facebook came along in 2005 and killed everything. You know what we need? We, we need a site that links together all the artists and musicians we once knew. A proper one-stop shop where are they now resource for music? But uh, as far as I can tell, such a site doesn't exist. So we have to piece together things ourselves. Let's try and do that again. Here is another look at long-lost Canadian alt-rock bands of the 90s and beyond. Dan, would somebody get on that idea of that, uh, that website? It would certainly make doing a show like this a lot easier. This is the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Hello again, I'm Alan Cross, and this is another one of those ever-popular Where Are They Now programs that focuses on Canadian alt-rock bands of the past. Every time I do one of these episodes, the feedback is tremendous. People have this insatiable desire to get caught up with the music of their youth. You know, they were such a great band. I wonder whatever happened to them. Well, I have a new list, all consisting of names submitted by listeners. And away we go. We'll start with the Barstool Prophets. I had a lot of requests to try and track them down. First, a little background. They were formed in Cornwall, Ontario, 1989, and were originally known as the Wallflowers. But then, at almost exactly the same time, Jacob Dylan, son of Bob, launched his own band that he called the Wallflowers. So rather than get into a fight with a major label signing, 
the Cornwall guys defaulted to the Barstool Prophets. So it now makes sense where their debut album was entitled Deflowered, right? By 1995, the band had a major label deal. They were scooped up in that huge explosion of Canadian alt-rock that we saw that decade. There were two well-received albums over the next couple of years, Crank in 1995 and Last of the Big Game Hunters in 1997. The string ran out in 1999. The band was about 10 years old by this time, and the group broke up. Singer Graham Greer went on to release two indie albums, while guitarist Al Morier had three. However, the band has reunited several times over the years, and if you're in eastern Ontario, you might have seen them pop up a few times. I saw them at the Sound of Music Festival in Burlington in 2017. Let's go back to the Crank album in 1995. This is Barstool Prophets and Paranoia. Barstool Prophets and Paranoia, big song on rock radio in Canada in the middle 90s. Let's move on to Crash Vegas, great Toronto band from the late 80s and early 90s. One of the co-founders was Michelle McAdory, daughter of Bob, who was a fixture on Toronto TV News. She put the band together with Greg Keeler. And yes, that is the Greg Keeler, who is now in Blue Rodeo. They were dating and thought that, uh, well, you know, let's form a band. So they did. Quick fact, if you know where to look, you can see Michelle in Blue Rodeo's Try video. Michelle and Greg were joined on bass by Jocelyn Lamois, sister of super producer Daniel Lamois, and on drums was the spectacularly named Ambrose Potty. Crash Vegas opened a lot of shows for Blue Rodeo back then. Made sense. Eventually, they were joined by guitarist Colin Cripps, and they recorded a debut record with Malcolm Byrne, a protege of Daniel Lanois, and a former member of the Toronto band Boys Brigade. A debut album called Red Earth was released in 1990. Great record. But by the end of the year, Jocelyn Lanois had left the band under bad circumstances, and their record label went bankrupt. But Crash Vegas bounced back on another label for two more records before breaking up in 1996. Where are they now? Well, Greg Keeler is still with Blue Rodeo, of course. Michelle has periodically released solo material. In 2015, her album Into the Future was long listed for the Polaris Music Prize. And if you're interested in any of her solo material, you can find that on Bandcamp. Colin Cripps joined Junk House, the Hamilton band, and is now with both Blue Rodeo and the Jim Cuddy band. Jocelyn Lanois went on to play bass for Sarah McLaughlin before turning to writing music for documentaries and movies. And as for Ambrose Potty, he's played with a ton of bands, including the Polka Dogs and Eugene Chadbourne from California's Camper Van Beethoven. He's also listed as a curator of the Toronto Improvisers Orchestra. His day job sees him working in graphic design. You know how the Metro food chain came together in a merging of Dominion and A&P? Well, he was involved in that rebranding. This is probably the biggest single ever from Crash Vegas. It's from that Red Earth album, and it's called Inside Out. Crash Vegas, with a lovely alt-folk song called Inside Out from 1990. Mary Margaret O'Hara was floating around Toronto at the same time as Crash Vegas was getting established. She is the younger sister of actress Catherine O'Hara. You know, shit's creek. In the early 80s, she was tapped as this great quirky talent, and her debut record was scheduled to be produced by Andy Partridge of XTC, another super quirky guy. But uh, quirk plus quirk did not work and he was fired on the first day in the studio. 
No record came out until 1988, and when it did, it became a cult favorite. Morrissey was such a fan that he asked her to do some vocalizations on his single November Spawned a Monster. Michael Stipe couldn't get enough of her. Radiohead, Bruce Coburn, Dave Matthews, Nick Cave, they were all fans. But the only thing O'Hara ever did on her own, outside of a quick Christmas EP, was this one album called Miss America. Well, oh wait, that, actually that's not entirely true. She also provided the soundtrack for a Canadian film called Apartment Hunting in 2001. She also acted in it. In fact, Mary Margaret O'Hara has focused on acting over the last couple of decades. Theater, film, musicals, and so on as well as contributing to songs of other artists, such as Bob Wiseman of Blue Rodeo. There was one new song in 2014, but that's been it. This is the kind of music that made such an impact in R.E.M., Radiohead, and the rest of them. It's a single from the 1988 album Miss America, and it's called Body in Trouble. Mary Margaret O'Hara and Bodies in Trouble. If you're into really different old pop, stream that Miss America album. Let's get another quick one in here. If you're a fan of The Kids in the Hall, you'll know this from Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. Some Canadian indie surf rock from Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. You might know that as the theme song to the Kids in the Hall TV show, but its proper name is Having an Average Weekend. Shadowy men were built around two guys from Calgary who moved to Toronto to be involved in a series of doomed punk bands before they coalesced as this band. There were a number of EPs, a Juno Award for Best Instrumental Artist, and that time when Fred Schneider of the B-52s needed a backing band for some of his solo stuff. The band broke up, and then everybody bounced through a long series of indie bands. The band's Don Pyle, for example, played with King Cobb Steely in Fifth Column. Nothing much happened until 2012 when there was a reunion that seemed to have stuck. There's the occasional gig, there's a bit of box set, and some re-releases of their old material. Founding member Reed Diamond died of cancer in 2001. Don Pyle wrote a bunch of music for film and TV. In fact, if you know the show Queer as Folk, he wrote the theme song. He's also very big into photography and is well-known for his collection of shots from the early days of punk in Toronto. Last I heard, Brian Connolly was playing guitar in an instrumental band called Atomic 7, and Dallas Good now works as a member of Canadian alt-country heroes The Sadies. Lots more to come. When we come back, we'll cover off the fate of Furnace Face and Gob. This is another Where Are They Now program focusing on Canadian alt-rock bands that were big in the 90s and before. Like I said at the top of the show, these episodes are very popular, and whenever they run, people email me with requests to track down bands they used to love. It's like I'm some kind of musical detective agency. All right, challenge accepted. I got a bunch of email from people asking about Furnace Face, the indie band from Ottawa. They were mostly punk, but also had a thing about making fun of metal. They had something going for about 10 years, 1989 to around 2000. And although they never really broke into the mainstream alt-rock scene, they did, you know, okay. There were gigs into the 2000s when they expanded to a four-piece. There were at least five indie albums and a bunch of singles. They won some awards in the indie world. There was a scary moment in 1997 when bass player Slow Tom ended up at the wrong end of some onstage pyro, but uh, he recovered. 
These days, Tom has a country band that plays the occasional gig, and that group also features furnace-faced drummer Dave Dudley. Tom also has at least three solo albums to his credit, and he's a freelance composer for film and TV these days. Patrick Bannister is an art director who works on film, and he's been involved in many projects, including the reboot of RoboCop and The Thing. Ottawa's Furnace Face with About to Drown from 1992. All right, since we're in a punk space, let's get caught up with Gob, a fine band formed in Langley, B.C. in 1993. They're still going, albeit with a few adjustments on the way. Six studio albums, all with the network label. Their songs have been in a bunch of video games, including one for the NHL and John Madden's NFL 2004. They've toured a lot, and they were a fixture on the Vans Warp Tour and there were a couple of Juno nominations. In 2004, there was a change in bass player when Craig Wood joined Avril Lavigne's band. That lasted for a few years before he settled down with a family in Winnipeg. His replacement, Steve Fairweather, is still with the group and hosted an internet radio station called Stranger Radio for a while. He's also a published poet with a book called The Coldbrook Library, which speaks of his life as a teenager caught up in Vancouver's drug scene. And finally, when Gob isn't busy, guitarist Tom Thacker is playing with Sum 41. He was the permanent replacement for Dave Backish. Here's Gob's best-known song from their best-known album, The World According to Gob, which came out in 2000. This is I Hear You Calling. Gob and I Hear You Calling. Now, still with the West Coast, I want to bring up a dreamy, shoegazy band called Delirium. This group was founded by Bill Lieb of the Vancouver industrial band Frontline Assembly. Bill, you might know, was a guest musician on some of Skinny Puppy's recordings. Delirium has been an ongoing project since 1987, using guest appearances. Emily Haynes of Metric, Sarah McLaughlin, and Matthew Sweet among them. And there have been two Juno Awards, too. Great trance and dance stuff. I count at least 15 albums. Although their biggest hit was a track called Silence with Sarah McLaughlin in 2000, I want to go back to a more dreamy period in the early 90s. This is Delirium and Flowers Become Screens, featuring Christy Thirsk on vocals. The album was called Semantic Spaces. Delirium from 1994 with the divine Flowers Become Screens. Back with more Where Are They Now stories from Canrock History in just a sec. We have time for a few more Where Are They Now stories featuring Canadian alt-rock bands from the 90s. Hamilton's Killjoys were pretty much inescapable on rock radio and on much music during the middle of the decade. They were formed in 1992 by Mike Treblecock, and a long series of power-pop singles followed. They also picked up a Juno for Best New Group in 1997. The Killjoys broke up in 1999, but reformed several times over the next two decades, something that continues even today. And this was one of the biggest hits from their catalog, The Killjoys and Today I Hate Everyone. Short and sweet, just over two minutes. The Killjoys and Today I Hate Everyone from 1994 and an album entitled Starry. 
Mike Treblecock is now teaching guitar, and he's also involved in horror films. He's been a fan since he was a kid. He's made a bunch of horror movies under the name Spit Take Films. There's a YouTube channel where you can see some of them. He's also scored movies for other people, more than a dozen actually, and he wrote music for a fishing show and a comedy club. Here's another band that had their moment in the sun back in the 90s, Head, spelled with two H's. I remember seeing them play a club show in Toronto and the opening act was some unknown American band called Stone Temple Pilots. Anyway, there was a lot of promise with Head. They landed a deal with IRS Records, the same label that gave us R.E.M., and they also toured internationally. But then IRS went bankrupt and the band started to founder and after a couple of more years, they broke up. I can tell you that leader Noah Mintz works in the recording industry. He does a lot of studio work, largely as a mixer and mastering engineer. And the other major principal, Brendan Canning, joined by Divine Wright, and is now part of a band called Broken Social Scene. This goes back to 1994 in a record called Jerk. It's Head and Happy. There's Head and Happy from 1994. Let's do one more. Martha and the Muffins. They were the Canadian new wave breakout back in 1979 with the album Metro Music, which featured the massive international hit Echo Beach. And technically, the band still exists, run by Martha Johnson and Mark Gain. There have been eight studio albums through the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. But what everybody did on their own is kind of fascinating. In the beginning, there was another Martha in the band, Martha Ladley. When she quit, she moved to the UK, did some recording, joined up with Robert Palmer's band, did work with album art designer Peter Saville, the guy who did so much for factory records bands like Joy Division and New Order, and she spent time working for Peter Gabriel's real-world multimedia production team. And last I heard, she was a professor at the Ontario College of Art and Design, which is where Martha and the Muffins began way back when. We ran across Jocelyn Lanois earlier in the show. Before she was with Crash Vegas and Sarah McLaughlin's band, she played bass for Martha and the Muffins. Brother Daniel also produced music for Martha and the Muffins. Carl Finkel was an early member. He's an architect. Apparently, he specializes in swimming pools. Andy Haas, another early member, was last seen working security in an art museum. He also produces instrumental music. Martha Johnson pivoted to making children's records in the mid-90s. She even won a Juno for Best Children's Album in 1996. She and Mark Gain have written music for film, and she also released a solo album in 2013. Martha was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 2000, which has progressed to a point where she can't perform live anymore, but she is still keeping her hand in things by working with younger artists. I want to play you something that involves all the people I've just mentioned. This is from 1981, And it appeared on an album entitled This is the Ice Age. It's Martha and the Muffins with Swimming. I want to point out that this has been the fourth installment of our Where Are They Now look at alt-rock bands of the last 30 years. So if you think there's an artist that I've missed, make sure you check out the podcast archive. It's very possible that the act you're thinking about was covered on a previous show. Just go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get on-demand audio. If you have gone through everything and you still haven't achieved satisfaction, let me know, and I'll put your suggestions on the list for the next time this topic comes up. 
I already have King Cobb Steely, I have Pluto, I have Blinker the Star, Thrush Hermit, Universal Honey, and a bunch more lined up. But I'm always looking for more. If you're looking for music news and recommendations on a regular basis, there's my website, a ajournalofmusicalthings.com. I update it daily. And to remind you of what's going on, there's a free daily newsletter that goes right into your inbox every single day. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And I'm always ready for your email through alan at alancross.ca. Tactical Productions by Rob Johnston. We'll talk to you next time. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. 